0: Just a quick note that the financial and business information you're going to hear in this episode is for informational purposes only. It is not to be relied upon to make any lending or business decisions as it does not consider your individual circumstances.
1: Owning our own farm is definitely a distant thought. So there's there's two types of farm in our mind. Our beautiful retirement farm with a lovely trickling creek through it, you know, that we can just pot around in. And then there's a very convenient and strategic farm to build our dream social network and open farm on.
0: Tim Eyes and his partner, Hannah Greenshields, are self-described dreamers. Together, they run the Food Farm just north of Gosford on the central coast of New South Wales.
1: The Food Farm is it not a physical farm, it's just our brand. One day, maybe it might be an actual place, but at the moment it's just uh, it's just make-believe.
0: <laughs> but their farming fantasies don't make their convictions any less real.
2: Our overriding goal is to leave every piece of farmland that we're lucky enough to farm in a much healthier state than what we came to it. Being young farmers who aren't you know, born into a farm will never be given a farm um, means that all we've got is our ideas and our flexibility.
1: I started farming when I was 18. I guess the food farm we've really built up in the last four years and then in the last 12 months it's doubled in size.
0: That growth has been the result of a lot of hard work. But Hannah, when she's not farming, has the time for two other careers, including speech pathology.
2: I work two days a week seeing clients who uh, have had strokes or different degenerative diseases and help them with their swallowing. Uh, And I am also an opera singer. uh, So, yeah, I take contracts with that wherever I can and squish the farming around that. Tim does a lot of the physical work, a lot of the cattle work, because that is his background. I haven't come from a farming background, but certainly you often find me feeding the chickens and then having to dart off to a singing rehearsal with mud on my knees still.
0: Hannah and Tim seem to have an idyllic life, a good work-life balance and a home sitting on the edge where the country meets the sea. It's correct to say they're flourishing and are well-liked and respected members of a supportive farming community. But early on in their careers, they experienced a setback that almost broke their ability to put their trust in others. I'm Sam Loy, and you're listening to Propagate, a podcast devoted to young farmers and fishers. This season is for aspiring farmers who aren't going to inherit a farm. We're exploring different pathways to ownership and chatting to farmers going their own way. Tim and Hannah have been a couple since they were teenagers and had farming dreams right from the start. And while Tim's parents own a farm, the property had always been leased to other people and there was never the option to
1: inherit it. Succession's just not a word that will be used in the family, I I don't believe, so it's just something we've had to deal with and it's something, you know, we move forward. That's just the way it is for us. So at 18 and fresh
0: out of high school, Tim turned to contracting as a way to build skills and relationships in the
1: area. I guess we grew a fairly large contracting business working with 36 farms in the area and, you know, we were manure spreading seeding, baling hay, all sorts of stuff, doing all those cool farm things, I guess, that a young farmer aspires to do. But it was very, very stressful and definitely found myself in burnout uh, the majority of the time. We were feeding some sort of beast in We're doing the contracting. You know, it was always people wanting greener grass, you know, more of it. And There was just not much purpose behind it because those people were not necessarily looking to have a better product or anything like that. They were fairly surface level goals for the business and uh, you were trying to please a lot of different thoughts and different ideas and, and not pleasing ourselves. Hannah and I have still got and always will have a vision to open a farm up permanently To bring people to agriculture and for them to see, you know, what it's all about and to make conscious decisions, it's really important. A
0: couple of years into their contracting business, Hannah still only 18 and Tim barely 20, they started to dream big. There was a property down the road that was on the market, but it was being held for developers. Now, Tim and Hannah didn't have any capital, but they did have an idea. Inspired by their interest in closing the distance between the food we grow and the food we eat, they saw an opportunity to create an agri tourism experience on the land.
1: So we managed to sell this idea to this wonderful organisation and they were, they were keen and they were behind us and yeah, we'd pretty well organised to buy a $3 million farm with an extra million dollars to then develop it into an agritourism property.
0: They wondered if this great idea that they had, as in their intellectual property, could be the currency they needed.
1: Our only input was our IP. it It was the most remarkable thing to have formulated, literally from passion. Like, we went there with a pitch and a story and a dream and we were going to make it happen. So we went through all the due diligence, we'd walked the farm... 50 million times to see what we're going to do.
2: We were just about to sign the contract and hand over the the deposit, um, but unfortunately were gazumped at the last moment by some property owners down the road who we had confided our idea in and, um, yeah, unfortunately they decided that that was something that they'd like to do as well.
1: To be honest with you, it was a really difficult time in our lives, and um, yeah, there was a lot of trust broken, like as young, essentially naive people who had a dream.
2: But in hindsight, it was a really great opportunity to then figure out what we really wanted and what the core of, of what we wanted was.
1: We will forever be learning from that experience and overcoming it. But I guess our really big steps were reflecting on the type of agriculture we were involved in and realizing that, you know, these sorts of first world types of agriculture are incredibly damaging socially and also environmentally. So we had some pretty dramatic realizations and it just put us down this journey of soil health and getting excited about being amazing uh, young custodians of land and I guess one of the biggest learnings is that there probably is no, there's no end to our ideas and so we will never have that last idea. Our passion is incredibly powerful and people can't replicate that.
0: Picking up the pieces from the loss of this project meant starting small and focusing as much as possible on their budding dream,
1: to farm in an environmentally harmonious way. We'd started selling a few steers here and there, cut up through the butcher and selling them to friends and family, and and that's where we went, oh, we've got a real opportunity here to make more money on the animals that we're producing Uh, but also to start feeding our community.
0: They had access to some of the land Tim's parents owned and they started running events so the public could experience farm life for themselves. Like, they would plant sunflowers and potatoes and then invite people to come and harvest them.
2: I think we ordered the potatoes online and hundreds of kilos turned up, so we planted them all by hand on the wettest day of the year, and we now know that that's not when you should (laughs) plant potatoes. We marketed online and sold this experience of digging your own potatoes for $5 a head, and everyone got to walk away with a little bag of potatoes. But... Yeah, 4,000 people turned up and yeah, that we used the profit from that to buy our chicken caravan and off we went.
0: These successes had a healing effect. They were proof that there was something in their dream of linking people to the food they eat. And soon, Tim and Hannah developed a new dream, to go their own way, pursue less conventional cattle and poultry farming and focus on going slow and regenerating the land. The idea was to lease properties that would accommodate these practices, allowing them to do direct marketing so they could make a bit of money and keep their produce local. But still, Tim and Hannah couldn't afford to buy their own farm, so their solution was to enter into leasing agreements that leverage what they could offer, labour, management, regeneration and service exchange. And as it turns out, there are lots of types of farm leases out there.
2: Depending on the owner and what their hot button is, what they want in return, we sort of give them in return for putting our cattle on there. So some people want money, some people want their farm improved, some people just want their grass eaten and we don't pay anything there. The ideal lease scenario is when the owner really values the importance of the soil health as the number one, um, because both for our business and their farm, it means that we can really put the effort into improving their pasture and making sure that the balance and the microbes are all working in synergy to both look after the environment but also help us to produce a really diverse, lush, healthy pasture for our cattle, which means that we can put more cattle on those places and the owner in return ends up with a farm that has been improved rather than degraded.
0: Good leasing arrangements don't happen overnight, but Tim and Hannah had an advantage. Scores of farming contacts from Tim's years as a reliable and multi-skilled contractor. And a keen entrepreneurial eye.
1: So I wouldn't disagree with the thought that leasing farms and finding opportunities is difficult. But when I look around there's a lot of unutilized or underutilized land in the world. Like we've only got to look at you know, all sorts of places that are in the midst of being developed or they're just in a changeover or someone's made enough money doing what they're doing and so now they do nothing. And especially with a poultry enterprise, you've got a lot more to give than just money. So fertility is one of the biggest issues for agriculture and getting that fertility onto the ground and so anyone looking to start a poultry enterprise should do the maths on how much fertility they will deliver out of x amount of chooks on x amount of land and you know it's like oh that person's spending ten thousand dollars a year on fertilizer well uh, for five i'll do the same job except i'll be making money out of it like what an awesome opportunity
2: So at the moment, we live in one of the farms that we look after. So the owner, it's their weekender, and they have a separate house that they visit. And then we live in an awesome little shed that's been converted into a house inside. So it's a really great opportunity to live um, on a farm without having to own one. Our rent is looking after the farm, doing the lawns, doing the gardens in return for living here. So no money is exchanged, which is also a great opportunity to save what we'd be paying in rent and work instead of that. It's working really well. We've been here about five years now and and hopefully another five at least.
0: In the few years since their big tourism pitch fell through, Tim and Hannah have built their slate of farms and enterprises up to an impressive place. It's grown to five farm leases in the Gosford region, including the three that Tim manages.
2: So our current slate of farming is a wonderful mess of diversity in our soil, uh, the animals that we keep and the pasture that is is on the the land that we're lucky enough to farm. So at the moment we own 90 cows and then Tim manages three other farms as well as contracts and still does a little bit of, of consulting to others. Um, we have our chicken caravan, so where our, our egg-laying chickens live with 800 chickens, and we produce 300 meat chickens every every month and as, as well as a few lambs here and there. Um, no potatoes anymore, but but who knows? <laughs> Hopefully one day.
0: When you've negotiated your fair share of leases, you start to get a pretty good sense of what your ideal arrangement is. For Tim and Hannah, it's a
1: 50-50 deal. So it's a matter of paying sort of $2, $2 $2.50 ahead per week um, to have your animals there, but the value is about $5 uh, per week and the rest of it we put into improvements onto the property. So that 50-50 for me is really, really good because if something goes wrong, you kind of step back and go, oh, it's okay. We've paid them. (laughs) Whereas if it's all like, you haven't done anything because you've been flat out with other stuff that's more important. Yeah. It's important to have that backstop of going, well, we've, you know, we've, we've done half of what we needed to do. And the other half is probably more for us than them. Into the future, we'll probably move into a bit of share farming with some of our clients as well to bolster our cattle numbers. So, um, you know, the hope is to get to sort of two uh, bodies of beef a week and we won't be able to own enough cattle. But with me managing around 200, if we could buy half of those calves because they're managed under our particular um, farming ethos, then that would be an amazing opportunity for us to get to our, our sort of number goal. Leasing five farms and
0: managing three of them is a huge undertaking for two people. But it's been achievable thanks to the relationships Tim has built through his years in contracting. The food farm and its sibling farms are all about sharing in the community, collaborating and building a network where farmers can help each other out this includes stuff like leasing machinery off each other to save from having to buy gear or trading odd jobs in exchange for adjustment land
1: so one of the coolest things that i sort of achieved as a young farmer was i guess the share farming agreement in ways but I had a client whose farm I managed and I still work for them. It's been 11 years now and they had this beautiful tractor in their lovely shed on their lovely farm and it was doing a couple of hundred hours a year and it was brand new and I was like, gee, this is a wasted opportunity. So that's where we really built the contracting business out of is uh, essentially proving concept with older gear. We'd buy something secondhand and yeah, we'd go contracting with that. And then we'd realize that we're making good money and then we'd replace it with something new. So for five years, I had a fairly, well, the largest contracting business on the coast, the only, <laughs> and uh, and I owned nothing and I was able to achieve everything, do every single farming um intervention that anyone could ever think of and it was it was really really cool and i think young farmers could probably look at those opportunities a lot more instead of getting bogged down in the needing to own everything because there's a whole lot of gear out there or rust as it can be called there's a lot of rust that's not meeting its full potential and if you can find the right relationships You'll be able to achieve so much more. These mutually supportive relationships have ended up being Tim and Hannah's most valuable asset. I think there is a level of philanthropy in a lot of people, and we've got it. Like we are, we really want to help people. And there is a lot of people out there, unless they've been burned, that the majority of people are really nice and they want to give you a go. And so being open and honest with your ideas and your dreams is very risky, but it's also very rewarding. And also make someone some money, like money talks. There's no doubt about it. We paid for um, probably a quarter of a million dollars worth of gear out of my contracting business and I could have gotten a loan and now i do own all that gear, but that's not how it worked out. But the farm I still manage it has got this amazing machinery because we had a, a great business together and, and that's really valuable for someone. It's really, really important just to, just to have a go sometimes and, and show that you need someone. That's, that's also quite important to, to really build that authenticity and that trust. The support and collaborative spirit of their farming
0: community has made Tim and Hannah feel very safe in their leasing endeavours. They feel pretty financially secure too.
1: So one of the most exciting things for us is the fact that the only debt that we actually have is our car loans. Yeah, we own all of the hay and silage making gear, a tractor, the caravans, the trucks, the cows, absolutely everything. Yeah, it's really important for us to get grounded every now and again and realise what we have achieved and, and that really if we went and sold anything, everything, we could go and buy a farm, no problem.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a really nice way to grow our business without that really big mortgage over our heads and, and that mortgage that keeps you up at night.
1: And we have everything to farm. Whereas we see a lot of people that work for 40 years to then go and buy a farm, and then they don't have enough money to buy cows or a tractor or whatever else they need for the farm and to actually farm it. And so that's a, that's a real problem. <laughs> so we're, we're really excited that we've got everything we need to farm, we just don't have the farm, and eventually that opportunity will come up. Tim and Hannah don't have immediate plans to buy.
0: Things seem to be going too well the way they are, and they're in no hurry. But they've always got an ear to the ground.
2: If we were to ever look at a farm one day, it would be most likely that we'd have an alternative way of funding it, and especially with the, the deposits that you have to have these days. They're, they're 40%, which is massive when you're growing a business. So um, there's so many people that are really open to the, those alternative methods of adve- investment, we find that we seem to come across a lot of people with money to, to spare. And I think we're in a position where it's not gaining any interest in the bank. So people are looking for alternative ways to spend it. And if you're a, a f- young farmer who's really passionate and can sell the the wonderful experience of owning a farm, then that's really attractive to a lot of people.
1: And we want to maybe partner with someone or hopefully buy our own farm one day and set it up as an agritourism farm that speaks to local food and healthy people, both in you know, mind and body.
0: For now, they're focusing on where this adventure takes them. Leasing has a freedom that's very attractive because everything they do is portable, flexible and if something's not working, they can move elsewhere. It has to be acknowledged, though, that there is some degree of instability when you're not the landowner. Tim doesn't lose any sleep over it, but he does understand that his farms rely on the ongoing support of the owners, which
1: isn't guaranteed forever. But it's a trade-off that suits their current life stage. Every day is so different. But I was really lucky. Like last week, I got to go on an incredible leadership course, and Henne gets to drive to Sydney and sing, and you know, we have... Incredibly free lives. like retirement wouldn't look much different for us, I reckon. Yeah, it, which is kind of exciting. like we we're really we're really lucky to do what we do and be our own bosses. And, and it's quite dangerous because essentially Hannah and I, like we're kind of unemployable now. Once you've worked for yourself for so long, it would be very, very hard to do nine to five. like we if we are jack of it. We'll just go and deliver eggs to one of our cafes over on the beach and we'll go for a walk on the beach and we'll just have a chat and we'll have a nice morning and we'll take a deep breath and we'll recollect and try again. Uh, You can't do that in normal life. So it's a pretty exciting little gig to have.
0: In the next episode of Propagate.
2: So I think we felt fairly well prepared Without being cocky, because as soon as you're cocky, you stop learning. And we really, really strongly believe that you should learn something every day till you die. And the moment that you get cocky, that's when you make mistakes. And that's when you do something really stupid that'll just ruin the whole caboodle.
0: (laughs) Every episode of Season 3 of the show is already available, right now. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Propagate is brought to you by the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries Young Farmer Business Program. Thanks for listening.